Welcome to the Happily Hormonal Podcast. Now, if you're a little iffy on whether or not the word hormonal is a good one, you're in the right place. My name is Leisha Drews, registered nurse and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner turned holistic hormone coach. And after going through my own hormone journey and having my three babies, I actually believe that our hormones are one of the greatest gifts that we've been given as women. And that no matter what you've been told, it's possible for you to have thriving energy, good periods, and a stable mood all month long. And I am here to show you the way. I think it's time to change the narrative around words like hormones and hormonal and start to reclaim the power that we truly have as women, which is a power to change not only our own health, but the health of all of our family for generations to come. Hormone balance doesn't have to feel hard. It can actually feel simple and fun when we do it in a way that aligns with how our bodies were made. If you're ready to start trusting your body again and feeling really good in that beautiful body that you've been given, then grab yourself a yummy drink and maybe a snack and let's do this. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have Melody with me. She is a Hi. Yeah, so glad that you're here, Melody. So Melody is a long-term friend of mine now. We've worked together in several capacities and she's helped me with my baby sleep. And so today we're going to talk about really the holistic picture between baby sleep and mom sleep and even like how that affects us with our hormones and our postpartum. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're so welcome. All so, right. I just wanted to have you start with your story because as any of us go, like we're in our certain fields for a reason. And so I know that you have a big story behind why you care so much about sleep and baby sleep. And so I'd love to have you share that as we start. For sure. So almost seven years ago now, I had my first baby. So also I'm a labor and delivery nurse. So to give some context around what I thought I knew, and I was very ready for pregnancy and labor and delivery. And I thought I knew about babies. And then I had one and I thought, gosh, at some point they'll sleep, right? (laughs) Like that's the thing. It didn't happen (laughs) for us. And my daughter really didn't sleep well. But the other thing that kind of cropped up was I had postpartum anxiety and then I had insomnia and pregnancy and it all spiraled. And I remember being so worried about my memory because being a nurse, I was like, how am I going to go back to work if I can't function now with no sleep. And when my daughter turned about four months, she hit the four month sleep regression, which I didn't even know that was a thing at the time. And she was up every two hours in the night. And I remember it because it was September 10th and uh, 5.30 in the morning came and I kicked open our bedroom door. My husband was sleeping all night long, gave him the baby and said, it's your turn. And that was my breaking point. Thankfully, someone had shared some sleep resources with me and it, it totally changed my life really. I remember reading the PDF and I cried the entire time, just knowing that I needed to make some changes and just made such a big difference for us. And after the fact, people were asking me all the time, like, well, can you help me? Do you have suggestions for me? And I just was like, I don't know enough to actually help you. And so that led me down the path to get some training with the sleep sense method. And I've been a consultant for almost five years now. And it really is because I've experienced the sleep deprivation. It's not like, oh yeah, like this one time I was tired for three days. It was like, I felt like my face was going to melt or that my head was going to pop off. And my physical health was declining. My relationship was (laughs) not doing very well. And I felt like I just couldn't be a proper person, honestly. So it it was very life-changing for me. And that's really why I got into this because I could see that so many other people needed help too. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, I think it's so powerful to hear that story. And I know that I feel like many of us have been there in that instance of here's the baby and now mm-hmm. I'm going to blow something up, right? Or like fall down either way, one or the other. Yeah. And yeah. And so I just, I can hear even pieces of my story in that. And having three babies, I've had three different stories of my babies sleeping. And so my first mm-hmm. baby, we did more formal sleep training. And at, I think around six months, because by that point, we were just kind of tired. She was not a terrible sleeper, but she also wasn't a great sleeper. And so we did that. And I really had a really hard time with that experience, like emotionally for me. And so I decided I didn't want to do that the next time with my second baby. And he just was actually like a really hard baby in general. And so he was just a terrible sleeper. And he just stayed that way. (laughs) I didn't really know what to do if it wasn't (laughs) going to be like cry it out forever and ever. and. So that was when I was about to have my third baby. I knew Melody already. And so I was like, Melody, like you're going to need some help here. And so (laughs) we were able to find kind of like some middle ground and what was something that I was comfortable with for my baby and something that was actually like structured and helpful. And I just know that not only him sleeping better than my last baby was such a blessing, but also me knowing that I had resources and didn't feel like I had to just randomly in the middle of the night, try to find a sleep training protocol or just those like desperate measures that we come to (laughs) as moms. Sometimes we're like, you know, in the middle of the night up with the baby and just like, I'm going to have a meltdown if I don't find an answer. So we find like all these random answers that are just more overwhelming. So I know that having the support can be so encouraging and so helpful and it can make a really big difference in sleep. Mm -hmm. And so of course, Everything that I talk about with hormones yeah. comes back to creating safety in the body. And your body is 100% not going to feel safe if you're just fully exhausted and you're never getting any like in-depth sleep. So, Well, and that fear in the night and that frustration, it's very lonely for a lot of parents and a lot of moms in particular. And a lot of my clients, after we do our consults, they'll just have this sigh of relief knowing that there's a plan and there's some, they know what to do. Cause I think that's part of what's so frustrating is you go in the night and you're holding this baby again or feeding them again. And you go, so what now? Right. And that frustration yeah. then like maybe sentiment builds up towards your partner. Cause you're like, well, why aren't you doing the thing? And it's just me. And I think having some sort of plan and support when we like work together, where we can ask questions and connect. And I think that helps with feeling there's a plan and some accountability and just some direction, because I think in, think back to when you had your first baby, like you're making it up as you go, right? Yeah, you're definitely making it up as you go. That's probably the biggest thing I've learned in parenting is like, well, I don't know what it's going to be like next week. So I'm just going (laughs) to, just going to focus on what we're doing now and get through the next step. I mean, when you say it that way, it does sound kind of crazy. (laughs) This is how we're raising people. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it'd be important to expand this conversation to the emotional and like physical effects on moms and dads, of course. But I think for many of us, it hits mom harder because often we are nursing the baby. And so they just want or were, you know, more of the sole provider because your husband's working or gone or whatever. And so I know we started talking before we started recording about postpartum anxiety specifically 
but also depression and like mood changes postpartum and how much baby sleep affects that. So I'd love to hear some of your perspective on that. Hey friends, I have a free mini course for you before the end of the year so that you can really dive into one of the biggest things that I see really make a difference for hormone balance. And that is balanced blood sugar. Balancing your blood sugar makes a huge difference in the stress in your body. And it can be really simple. So I've created this mini course for you that is absolutely free. If you leave a review on the podcast, all you need to do is leave a star rating on the podcast. If you want to leave a written review as well, I so appreciate it. But if you just leave a star review and send me the word review on Instagram, all caps, you will get access to the free mini course. And if you're not on Instagram, just email me hello at leishadrews.com and let me know that you've left your review and we'll send it your way. Yeah, for sure. So I think that, and part of my story, which I feel a lot of people really connect to that is just the anxiety around everything, but that advice, which I feel like most of us understand is maybe outdated advice, but the whole sleep when the baby sleeps and well, what if when the baby is sleeping that you're just riddled with anxiety, right? And that like, how is this not helpful to us as caregivers? So I think the few things to like, when I reflect back on that time was, I think I didn't I didn't share enough with my partner, with my husband, what was really going on. And I waited too long to ask for help. That was another piece of it. And I think that when we're like, okay, if you can recognize that you're struggling and part of my own thing was I waited too long to get help was is I could have asked for help sooner, but then what does that mean? Right? So I struggled with, okay, somebody else taking care of my baby. And cause that was part of the anxiety that was speaking. But I think, is it asking a girlfriend to come? Is it asking, really having better conversations with your partner about, I need you to learn <laughs> how to sue the baby, right? Like YouTube it, ask other dads, like figure out the thing that helps. And eventually my husband got to a place where he actually figured out my daughter really loved Buddy Holly music and he could actually oh, help yes. soothe her to sleep by playing like Buddy Holly <laughs> songs. And I was like, fantastic. I couldn't do that because she'd be like, you're not dad. This is not your thing. Where's my dad? So, and I think that there needs to be somewhat of an empowerment for, for partners or dads that like, you do need to figure out your own thing and whatever that is. We have such amazing resources online now that you can YouTube dads specifically who have YouTube channels around how to help babies sleep and like parenting stuff. And so I think that there's this conversation around, okay, like what do we need? more of and is it just i need you to be able to take the baby more because sometimes that is what it is right is like i need you to be able to soothe the baby and i can't be the only one who holds this crying baby when they're upset and because i think that puts so much pressure on us as a mom to be like it's all on me and then you feel guilty right then you feel guilty that your baby's not sleeping you feel guilty you can't take care of yourself and then it just spirals into this kind of big emotional wreck yeah yeah so. absolutely and i think too a lot of times with the first baby I don't think that it's necessarily the first one's the hardest, but you're figuring out the most things. And so I know for me, with my husband, he's always been a big part of the kids' lives and always helped. I don't even want to say helped with them, like they're his kids, but he's done a lot with the kids. And But with my first one to my second one, it was like a night and day difference where with her, when she was really little, there was I was there with her and I was nursing her and she didn't take a bottle quite as 
soon or I don't even know, but I just remember being like blown away the second baby. It was like he was two weeks old and I needed to go to the store or something. And he was like, yeah, go. I have a bottle. I'm fine. And I just remember the confidence that he had was just so much different because he's the youngest. And so like he hadn't really even been around that many babies before we had a baby. And so like with that being said, I heard you say something about empowering dads. And I think that it's so encouraging as a couple Mm -hmm. to be able to both have the ways that to soothe the baby, like it doesn't have to be the same. And even to help them sleep, they're not going to nurse the baby, but the baby doesn't always need to be nursed. So Mm -hmm. I think having that collaboration is so encouraging. Yeah, I think. And that actually brings up a really good point that you're touching on there that the baby doesn't always need to be nursed. And I think that's part of the education piece, like prior to having a baby to like, I laugh about it now, but I literally didn't read a single book about baby sleep before I had a baby. Now I've read like all baby sleep books, but it's like, now that you know this, okay, so dad can do some education, you can do some education and also understanding that like a baby doesn't need to eat every single hour all day long. The uh-huh. sleep cues and tired cues look the same, unfortunately. Like whoever designed that, like that was unfortunate. <laughs> but if it's tired cues that, and you know that the baby has just been fed, there's no reason why dad can't do some of his skills, maybe in a separate room from you so that he can work on his own confidence around that to really soothe the baby. And dads have great chests that babies can lay on and feel warm and snuggly. And so I think that there's a lot of ways that we just really want to empower our partners and that they can participate in this too, because I think that it comes down. I just remember feeling so anxious and feeling like I had to do it all. And my husband feeling really helpless. And part of it was, oh, what was that term I've heard recently? I think it's maternal gatekeeping where we're like, no, like I will do all these things and really just letting our partner in periodically. And I like, I wish I could go back and have a different perspective when I had my first daughter, because I think that we could have had a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think just realizing that like, there are going to be ways that you do things that are the one right way, but also there are going to be ways that they do things that are not necessarily the wrong way, just because (laughs) it's not the exact same as you do them. And it helps our kids be more like flexible and resilient when they have a little bit of variety. And as a first time mom, I probably would have felt different about that than now when I have three babies and I'm like, I definitely need help. So (laughs) it's just going to have to be okay. But with that being said, like, I I think just that piece of working together and empowering is just so encouraging as a mom when you don't feel like it's all on you. I think that even that can lift postpartum depression and anxiety to a a really big extent. I don't want to minimize that there are many Mm -hmm. different factors playing a part, but not feeling like it's all on you is really huge. So one thing I wanted to have you definitely talk about is just what is realistic to expect around sleep and like some milestones, because I think that is so helpful as a layer of groundwork when we're thinking about baby sleep and like what we should be looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So I recently actually did an Instagram live with someone and we talked about this because I think that there's a, it's just unclear. So when I'm looking at a newborn sleep, I'm looking at that initially, yes, like you're going to be feeding your baby every two to four hours in the night. That's very normal. As they approach four weeks of age, now this is keeping in mind if they're born term, because premature babies follow a different set of rules. So that's a whole thing. 
but let's say your baby is term initially they're going to be feeding every two to four hours in the night when they hit about one month of age we're looking for more consistently four hour stretches and then there's a turning point around six to nine weeks where we're looking to see like that baby is doing four to six hour stretches in the night so it's kind of encouraging knowing that within a relatively short amount of time your baby if they're healthy should be able to be sleeping these longer stretches and if they're doing six hour stretches in the night that's pretty manageable right as a mom like to feel like okay that's maybe one or two feeds in the night and then we're sleeping for larger chunks of time so i want to touch really quickly on the four month sleep regression because it's a pretty significant milestone for a lot of parents where maybe their newborn was sleeping well and then things changed or the sleep got significantly worse so what happens during this time is sleep gets rearranged so they go from newborn sleep to infant and which is actually more like adult sleep so newborns spend a lot of time in deep phases of sleep and as they get older and they go through this four month change as i'd like to call it they spend more time in light phases of sleep so those classic signs of waking up every two hours in the night or it's difficult to get baby down or their naps all of a sudden become really difficult or really short those are all really classic signs and it's a good time to do something about it whatever that means for you whether it's seeking out help or reading some books and some blogs and working on some strategies because at this point if you haven't slept well as a mom or a parent and now your baby's sleep is going downhill it just makes any sort of anxiety or depressive symptoms like much much worse for everybody. And so your reserves start to really like dwindle at this point. So it's a good time to jump on it. So that's a pretty significant milestone for a lot of families is the changes that happen around four months. And then from there's a variety of milestones that happen. Some people notice that when their baby started to eat solids, things got better. And then there's like lots of physical milestones where it can disrupt sleep. It's not a sleep regression per se, but it can disrupt sleep. And I usually suggest to my clients, like anywhere between six and eight months, if your baby is healthy, to really consider weaning out night feeds and to have your baby sleep well all night because it's pretty appropriate to, to get to that point. So just to give you some idea of realistic expectations of sleep and that, yes, your newborn will be waking you up lots, but within a few weeks, we should be getting some longer stretches of sleep. Okay. Yeah, that's super helpful. And I think realizing, I know that four months, sleep regression can seem really vague, but then like anytime I've Googled X month sleep regression, other people have Googled it too. So I know that it's not just the four months. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So So I would love, mm -hmm. I was just going to say, I would love to hear some of your like tips. So outside of seeking out help and finding like an actual method, what are some things that you often see are just totally overlooked when mom and dad are like really struggling with sleep? with their babies. For sure. The number one thing that I see, and I see this in Facebook groups, I see it with clients, like I see it everywhere, is the timing of baby's bedtime. So, you know, newborns have a late bedtime, most newborns, right? It's anywhere between 9 and 10 p.m., sometimes 11 p.m. And it has approached three or four months, like it does move earlier, but not all parents move their bedtimes early enough. So a typical infants, like starting like three to four months, their bedtime typically needs to be between 6.30 and 7.30 p.m. So I'll see lots of parents where they are putting their four-month-old to bed at like 9, 9.30, and they're like, what the heck? This baby is just so unhappy and we're really struggling. And so that's one thing is that your baby's bedtime probably needs to be earlier. How you can help determine that is to see when do they start their day? Do they start their day at 
7.30 in the morning, well, bedtime is probably 12 hours later. So that's a very small thing that you can be aware of that will significantly help your baby's bedtime go better and hopefully get them a bit of a stretch at the beginning of the night. So that's number one. The second thing is doing a bedtime routine. I know that seems like, doesn't everyone do a bedtime routine? But I really want to stress the importance of a bedtime routine. Our bodies are so like, we love routine. It it allows us to know what to expect. It's like when you drive to work, like you drive a particular way. And if you go a different way one day, like you might miss your turnoff. If you skip steps of your own routine in the morning, you might forget to put on your mascara or put on deodorant, right? Like we are routine and creatures of habit. So start creating that for your baby. It doesn't have to be complicated, right? If you want to do a bath every night, great. It can be five minutes of splashing in warm water, fresh diaper, lotion, massage, PJs. There's a feed in there somewhere, sleep sack or swaddle, depending on the age of your baby, a song or a book, and then to bed. And just repeat those steps every night. And you'll start to notice that your baby will start to maybe look tired or they'll yawn. I've had clients where they literally walk into their baby's room, instantly yawn because that signal is so strong in their bodies. So don't underestimate the power of a simple bedtime routine for your baby. It's just a great way to help them know that sleep is coming. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to say too, we wanted to incorporate a few tips for moms and dads as well. So many of us, we're actually doing that for our kids or for our babies, at least to some extent, but we're not doing it for ourselves at all. And mm-hmm. so maybe it doesn't look exactly the same as your baby, but giving your body a little bit of time to wind down before bed and specifically without screens can be incredibly helpful. So especially if you're in this season where your baby's not sleeping well and like you're really needing to sleep well, but maybe even your body is pretty keyed up. That's one of my favorite things to recommend as well. And I think it's just, we forget that, Basically, Mm -hmm. like we're just big babies. So we need the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something that when we worked together, we talked a lot about because I had just so much stress in my own body and like saying that before bedtime, right? And I just challenge parents that if you're struggling with your sleep, give yourself a week of turning off the screens by a certain time, right? And just see what happens and read a book or listen to something instead or do something different and just see how you feel leading up to bedtime. Are you like less anxious because you don't have the scroll factor going? Can you fall asleep better? Do you actually feel tired, right? Like, I think it's a good little, a little reminder for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. I also Mm -hmm. think that we would always think to feed our babies before bed and probably 17 times in the night too, if you're listening to this, because I know I've been there. And that can be another thing, like especially as mamas who are postpartum, being able to actually have something solid as a bedtime snack can be really helpful too, especially if you're waking up in the middle of the night and you're nursing, you're probably going to need extra calories and you're probably going to need extra support for your blood sugar stabilization because you have so much energy going out. And so just thinking of like being able to incorporate a few really simple things that are basically like what you would already know to do for your baby can be really ideal for you as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that when you can intentionally plan to have a really satisfying bedtime snack, right? Not just like potato chips and whatever else, but something that's really savory or something that's like really creamy or something that's so good for you. I know that in your course, you talk so much about bedtime snacks and it's like, they can mm-hmm. be something you look forward to. <laughs> it doesn't have right. to be this like yeah. boring thing. It can be really enjoyable. Well, I think that even some of the tips that you have shared have been really helpful. And I think that 
one of the biggest things for me that we worked on together was just actually creating a routine and being a little bit more consistent with that, even if it wasn't like this very, very strict thing that I wasn't in a place to really adhere to, but it was more like creating systems and creating rhythms for your baby and for you. And I know that was Mm -hmm. super helpful as well. So that can be huge. And actually having a consistent bedtime for your baby or for you is really just like getting a little bit more structure into your day. And especially as a postpartum mom, like sometimes that can feel hard. And I'm not talking about the first week after you have a baby, but like it can really help with that transition too. And helping you not what to expect can help with anxiety. So I know that that was something like I said that Melody helped me with a lot. Well, and in your situation too, you're not that we were talking really about your other kids, but the thing is you had other kids to put to bed, right? So part of that chaos of the bedtime, which can suck, right? If the kids are all over the place and you're trying to get the baby to bed and you're trying to like, how do I like do all of this at once? And I think putting a little bit of effort into it allows you as a parent to feel like more calm through that routine. And then you can have a plan, right? Because that's kind of what it comes down to, because otherwise it just feels chaotic and that's not a great way to end the day for your kids or for you. And so I think that a little bit of structure goes a long way. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree so much. Well, I just want to tell you, thank you so much, Melody, for all of the things that you've shared today and all of the help that you've given me for sure. I would love to have you just share where people can find you. Melody's on Instagram and she has such great things there. I always love to read them and be like, oh good. (laughs) That's what I do with my baby. So tell us where to find you. I know you also mentioned you have a sleep bundle that people can sign up for by email. So tell us about that too. For sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Melody Patton Sleep Consulting. And I have a link in my bio there for my sleep bundle where you get three downloads when you sign up for my email, which is where I send weekly sleep tips. So it's like not just a, hey, this is what I'm doing. It's actual, here's some things around short naps and night feeds and toddlers and all these things. You can also find me on my website, which is just the letter M and the letter P, sleepconsulting.com. And my email signup is there too and other resources. I have a blog that has over 80 blog posts. So I've written about almost every topic. And so on a desktop, it's searchable. For sure, go and peruse that if you're just needing to troubleshoot some things. So yeah, you can certainly find me in primarily those two spaces. Okay. I love that. There's so many good resources. So thank you so much, Melody. and. We'll see everyone next week. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Any information shared on this podcast is solely for educational purposes, is not to be taken as medical advice or to be used as a diagnosis or a treatment plan for any medical condition. I'm sharing my educated opinions and experience, but nothing shared here can be taken on a one-size-fits-all basis. We always recommend that you do your own research, talk to your own doctors, and take full informed responsibility for any health and medical choices that you make. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today for listening. And I hope that you were encouraged and learned something new. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you be willing to share it with a friend and to leave us a review? I believe that every woman deserves to understand her body and feel great in it. And you can help me in this mission by sharing the podcast. If you're also feeling like you're ready for the next step and you're really ready to dive in in your hormone journey, my course, Nourish Your Hormones is created specifically for you. 
It's a step-by-step blueprint to increase your metabolism, restore energy, and have better periods and mood every single month. I would love to connect with you. So come over and join me on my Instagram page at Leisha Drews and send me a message if you have questions or just want to tell me something that you enjoyed about this episode. I can't wait to meet you.